A question that many, many people have asked is just what is God's will for my life? Nothing is more important than knowing God's will. So please take out the sermon notes that have been provided for you. John Brodus said, success is knowing God's will and then being right in the center of it. God wants us to know his will. He tells us that. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Be very careful how you live, Paul says. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So God wants you to understand what his will is for you. Why is it so difficult then? Why is it so hard to figure out? God, just what is your will for my life? How come it's so confusing? Why are we in the fog so much of the time? Well, I think the reason is because there are some basic misconceptions about God's will. So let's look at three basic thoughts on God's will. Many people are looking for the wrong things when it comes to learning and to knowing God's will for us. So first we look at two misconceptions. In your notes, number one, God's will is not a feeling. It's not emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not what we call the mystical approach, using emotions. In your notes, sort of like a quiver in your liver. It's not goosebumps, no. See, some people use this technique where you sit down, get yourself in neutral, let your mind go blank. Now, I know that for some of you that's not too hard. But you let your mind go blank. You sit there waiting for an emotion or some impression, like I said, a quiver in your liver. So you rely on emotions. And God's will, however, is not a feeling. You've probably noticed that some people feel that they have a pipeline to God. They tend to run around and say, God told me this and God told me that. And usually it's about you. This is God's will for you. Now, I have a lot of trouble with that kind of attitude. People who get a direct pipeline to God. They run around. They tell other people what's good and what's bad. In your notes, the problem with this approach is that feelings are very unreliable. Feelings are suspect. Feelings can come from many, many different sources. Feelings can be based upon fatigue, on illnesses, on a TV show you watched or a book that you read, or a bad pizza that you ate last night. Maybe you just need some Pepto-Bismol. In a little town in Northern California, a man taught night school in a local high school. That same man, he led many normal people from that community to drink some poison Kool-Aid in Kenya and kill themselves. His name was Jim Jones, remember? Jim Jones was always getting the word from the Lord that no one else was getting. God told me to tell you this. 
So you don't follow and you don't listen to anyone who's getting his message directly from his emotions and not from the Bible. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful. In Hebrew, that means the heart is sick. When you are sick, you don't feel good. And you get all kinds of feelings. Even the devil can create feelings. So first of all, God's will is not a feeling. In your notes number two, God's will is not a formula. It's not a formula. A formula is that sort of mechanical approach. It says in your notes, you follow this recipe and you get automatic results. Most books about God's will for you are of that approach. You have A, B, C, and D, and you do this, and you do that, and you wait. You mix it all together, and you get God's will. In fact, we tend to like that mechanistic approach. Because we're living in a push-button and microwave society. We want everything instantly. We want a quick fix. Ten easy steps to God's will. We like that approach. For example, cooking made easy, or flying made easy, or embalming made easy. Everything is made easy these days. And we all want a formula to know God's will. But there are basically three problems to that approach. In your notes, number one, first, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Have you noticed that? When I was thinking about getting married, I want to know God's will. In all the resources that I bought, in all the study of the Bible, I was not able to find the name Fay in the Bible anywhere. No, it doesn't work. Secondly, these formulas also contradict each other. You read one book and it says to do this. You read another and it says to do that. These different formulas can all be right. But thirdly, really the biggest problem in seeking God's will through a formula because in your notes, it's trying to follow it perfectly. In fact, if you don't follow it perfectly, you get bad results. There are no mistakes allowed. If you mess up, you forget an ingredient, you're in big trouble. If you're a cook or a baker at home, you know that without one or two proper steps, you can end up with a pancake instead of a birthday cake. That's the problem with seeking God's will. According to some formula, you mess up, you think then you have messed up with God's will for your life forever. So please note this insight in your notes. God's will, however, is dynamic. It is ever-changing. God's will in your notes is not a closed system. God takes into account even our mistakes. Some people say that they made a mistake in their lives 10 years ago. Or I made a wrong choice. I went into the wrong career. I married the wrong person. And therefore, for the rest of my life, I have to settle for a second best. Because God can't use me anymore. Note that that is not true. It's a lie. Suppose for a moment that I made the wrong choice. I married the wrong person. That sets into motion this other person then who married me. They married the wrong person. The next person married the wrong person. And finally, we've all married the wrong people. Because back in Adam's day, someone married the wrong girl. A closed system. 
to God's will is not even rational. Because the Bible says God's will is dynamic. In the Bible, all believers, they make mistakes. Can you imagine Moses saying, I killed a man. God can't use me, but God did. David says, I committed adultery. God can't use me, but God did. See, God's will takes into account even our mistakes. Jesus came into this world to show us a loving and a forgiving God. The good news is that Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood to wash away our sins. And in the sacrament, we receive that body and blood shed for us in with and under bread and wine. So God takes into account our humanity by becoming man for us. And aren't you glad? So God's will, number one, is not a feeling. Number two, God's will is not a formula. Number three, in your notes, God's will is rather a friendship. It's a friendship with God, a fellowship with God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Please read it with me together, out loud. God is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with his son, Jesus Christ. What are we saying? In your notes, number one, God's will is not rules, but it's a relationship. God's will is not rules, but it's a relationship with him through Jesus. And then number two in your notes, God's will is not a life map. Rather, it's a lifestyle. It's the way that you live. It's not an agenda that you work on. You study the scriptures. You find a little technique to be working on. But the Bible says a lot of, about having, however, a relationship. You have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And then number three, God's will. It's not an agenda, but it's an attitude. It's a friendship. If God's will is a relationship, the key to God's will then is what is your attitude. So I want you to look with me at three attitudes. But three attitudes that first block God's will. See, God doesn't want us to get these attitudes in our lives. Because then you will miss out on his will. On the back of your notes, number one, don't be fatalistic about God's will. Fatalism is the attitude that says what will be, will be. This says that if it happened, then it must be God's will. This is the assumption that everything that happens in your life somehow is God's will. That's fatalistic. And there are two errors here in your notes with fatalism. Number one, this attitude is unfair to God. If everything that happens is God's will, then God gets blamed for all the bad stuff. If somebody gets killed, it must be God's will. God gets blamed for all the evil. When I say the phrase, it must be the will of God, what do you think of? Good things or bad things? Usually it must be the will of God when we think about all those bad things. You read an insurance policy, it says it covers everything except the acts of God. What are these acts of God? Is it just a baby being born? No. Someone who is healed? No. The acts of God are usually bad. Catastrophes, tidal waves, earthquakes. You get struck by lightning. Those are the acts of God. Isn't it amazing that if things go right, we're lucky? If they go wrong, it must be the will of God. So God gets blamed for the bad things. 
So don't have a fatalistic attitude towards God's will. Not only is it unfair to God, but number two in your notes, number two is unhealthy for you. You become a puppet. You're no longer a person. The attitude of fatalism, it robs you of one of the greatest gifts that God has given. It's called free will. In your notes, God's gift to you is that freedom to choose. Fatalism even promotes self-pity, passivity. In fact, keeps you from growing as a child of God. The parent that makes all the decisions for their child actually dooms that child to immaturity. But God wants you and me to grow up. And making choices, even when we stumble, helps us to grow. Why are Christians in this world? To bring about the will of God. We're to pray for the will of God. Look at John 7, verse 17. Jesus says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God. I want you to circle that word chooses. And this is the insight in your notes. God's will, it involves my choosing. Your freedom to choose actually involves God's will. So being fatalistic blocks God's will. Number two in your notes, God says don't be fearful about his will. Some people, when they hear God's will, they become rather fearful. They begin to run from it. See, Jesus came to earth in your notes not to scare us, but what? To save us. Are you sometimes a little fearful to pray, thy will be done? That scares a lot of people. People are afraid of changes. People are afraid of criticism. People are afraid of commitments. The root of that fear is the doubt that God somehow has our best interests at heart. So look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to make you miserable? Is that what it says? No. Plans to make you a fanatic and everybody's going to hate you? No. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So what is the insight? God's will in your notes is an expression of his love, always. Everything that God does for you is an expression of his love. So for the believer, number one, don't be fatalistic. Number two, don't be fearful. And in your notes, number three, don't be frustrated. Don't be frustrated about God's will. And this is where most of you sometimes are today. Maybe God's will at times becomes rather confusing. It becomes complicated. Perhaps it's because we're looking at the agenda that says we want some time to get up, when to put our shoes on, pour Wheaties into your bowl, want to use skim milk. But you see, God's will are not rules and an agenda to follow. God's will is a relationship. So look at Romans 8, verse 28. We know that in some things God works for the good of those who love him. Is that what it says? In some things? No. It actually says in all things. In all things God works for the good of those who love him. Does that include your mistakes? Yes. Does that include instances that are beyond your control? Yes. Does that include when you raise your kids the best that you could? They start rejecting some of the things that you tried to teach them? Yes. Because we know that in all things, God works good. 
What is the insight in your notes? God's insight about God's will. God's will is a long-term process. A process to help you to grow up. To grow up like Jesus. But that process includes in your notes both the problems and the pleasures. Yes, even the problems. Life has problems. In fact, the people, only people who do not have problems are at Riverside or Riverview. Everybody has problems. And in those problems, God promises the work for good in both problems and in pleasures. God uses both for his will. So don't be fatalistic. Don't be fearful. Don't be frustrated. So then what is the right attitude? In your notes, faith. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you want to know and be in God's will? It requires faith. God's will always, always requires faith. And that's why he doesn't spell it out. Faith is taking the step in trust. Believing in Jesus. Having a relationship with him. So in conclusion, the starting point. In your notes, number one, a relationship to Jesus. Look at 1 Timothy 2. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, God's will is that every single person come to know him and to have salvation. To know God in a personal way through Jesus. That's the first step to God's will, to God's will for you. And the second step in your notes, number two, is fill your mind with God's word. Look at Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So in your notes, God's will is always found in God's word. When people are seeking God's will, they need to be involved in studying God's word, reading God's word. The more you fill your mind with God's word, the more you're going to know God's will for you. The more you know God's word, the deeper will be your relationship, your faith, and your fellowship with God. Amen.